When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, and I'm back (laughs) with uh, Rob Blanchett. How are you, Rob? Uh, It's been a little while uh, with the World Cup happening to talk all things Manchester United, but we did do an impromptu episode as the world melted down around Man United just a couple of weeks ago. Cristiano Ronaldo and the sale of the club potentially uh coming up but yes uh, we've had a break while i've been out in qatar i'm now back uh how are you doing not too bad i thought i was going to have a little bit of a break obviously during the start of the world cup this time around with obviously not being out in qatar but then what happened manchester united went up for sale and cristiano ronaldo the most famous player in history uh, had his say about the football club so those re- uh, kind of echoes and reverberations around those two stories will continue, no doubt, and we'll talk about them in depth. But Manchester United are now out in Spain, ready for their little mini tour. I've seen out there that the weather is beautiful and pouring with rain, just like it is in Manchester. So they, so they could have stayed at home, but they'll get a good couple of games in to get some fitness back into the legs. But obviously the World Cup is still running, so we'll obviously talk about our players who are, who are doing quite well at the tournament. Yeah, my notes say that Man United are winning the World Cup as it stands because uh, Marcus Rashford is among, or was among, I'm not sure whether he is anymore, among the top scorers. I don't think he is anymore because Kylian Mbappe happened the other day, didn't he? Uh, But yeah, United players having a good World Cup. Casemiro looking like one of the best players in the tournament so far. We're recording after this, uh, after Brazil just smashed uh, South Korea on Monday night. Uh, We'll talk about how Man United players are faring, and we'll talk about how either former or potentially future Man United players are faring in the tournament as well, and their links with Man United. We'll talk Ronaldo, Cody Gakpo, or is it Hakpo? I'm not sure. Uh, Memphis Depay, Jude Bellingham, his name has come up in relation to United over the last few days, and we'll talk about the friendlies which are upcoming for United as well. They play on Wednesday night, but you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week, usually on Tuesdays and Fridays. Head over to the YouTube channel that we have, like the video, subscribe, and join the community as well. Sorry, we've been away. Uh, I do apologize, but the World Cup has happened. They plonked it in November and December, and things change. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Should we start with Ronaldo, Rob? Because uh, he is not a Man United player anymore. We're probably going to be only talking about Ronaldo in depth 
a few more times until he finalizes his next club. Obviously, I'm I'm seeing that he's even getting a little bit of stick for throwing tantrums off off the Portugal bench now as well, which is quite funny. Uh, we were, as I say, we're recording this before Portugal play, and Fernando Santos is actually not even guaranteed that Ronaldo will play in their next game if he's behaving like that. Uh, but Ronaldo has left United, and reports surfacing on Monday that his uh, his move to Al Nasser which is what one of the biggest, probably the biggest deals in football history. I, I Do you have the figures there, Rob? I'm sure you do. They are massive, ridiculous. Uh, I think they're a little bit more advanced than Ronaldo's camp wants to play out, but it is looking like Ronaldo might be off to the Middle East after the World Cup. But it's a bit of a surprise to me, a little bit of... Uh, I was maybe expecting him to shop around a little bit more to see if he could get that that final shot in Europe. But if he takes this one, you know, nice payday for him. <laughs> well, this is the, the Middle Eastern deal that we've talked about a lot on this show that goes back historically to when Ronaldo was being shopped around Europe, <coughs> excuse me, and couldn't find a taker. What we've seen, I think, is, Scott, you know, we talk about the, the numbers around the deal. It's 170 million to go there initially, and it will rise to over 200 million, depending on how long he decides to stay there. Cristiano Ronaldo lied during his interview with Piers Morgan, saying there is lots of interest in me. There is not a lot of interest in him. Why? He's very expensive and he's very old. So those two things have always gone against him. It's like you were just saying there, you know, you might have hoped for maybe one last chance to do something in Champions League to do something at a bigger club. I don't actually think that was ever the motivation. And I've been on record of saying that, and I'm going to stick to it because this is all playing out exactly as we said. Cristiano's looking for one last payday. The strategy behind doing the interview with Piers Morgan was obvious about why he was doing it, forcing Manchester United's hand, forcing him out of what is relatively now a small deal. You think about it, what he was earning at Man United to what he'd be earning in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. And I think now it is just a matter of hours until that deal gets done, depending on where Portugal play and what they do. As you said, like, Ronaldo's out of the World Cup. They're playing there for Portugal, but he's not actually getting a lot of love, is he? There's not there's not a lot of talk around Ronaldo, maybe in the same way there is with Messi. You know, I think there's a lot of kind of, I'd like Argentina to win it for Messi. There's not a lot of, I'd like Portugal to win it for Ronaldo. So I actually think his stock has fallen in terms of, like, the wider fan bases. He'll always have his... CR7 fans that love him. But I think he's going to see his career out in the Middle East because that's where the money is. And I think that's been the motivation for a while now. I think we all fall into the trap about Cristiano that he's a winner. He wants to win the Champions League. He wants goals. Well, I think if he's in Saudi Arabia scoring a hat-trick every week, he'll be all right at 170 million. He'll be quite happy with that. I don't think he'll be thinking, oh, I wish I was at Real Madrid again or Man United or a top club. But it's quite sad, isn't it, that he's left Man United for that reason. Worked out well for United, though. <laughs> Perfectly. You know, uh, we, we will turn our attention, like, when United return to competitive action back to, you know, the immediate future of United and possibly the long-term future as well. But, you know, I think I said it at the time, or we said it at the time on this pod, as raw as that interview was, as 
explosive as it was, it was actually the best thing <laughs> that could have happened to United in the circumstances. And I think that's now that the dust is starting to settle and he's not there anymore. When he moves, that that is officially it. You know, he, his connection with United, it's, it's already been severed. It's already gone. But when, it's Ronaldo, when Ronaldo is playing for another club in the Middle East or something like that, then United can just full, fully concentrate on moving forward and doing it the right way under Eric Ten Hag. And uh, we'll see who ends up joining to replace Ronaldo. Uh, we'll talk about them in a second. But yeah, um, Ronaldo... We await to see how much uh, involvement Portugal have in the rest of the competition. I think they've been okay so far. Ronaldo's trying to claim goals of Bruno Fernandes that have touched his hair. Um, you mentioned Messi there, Rob, about you know deciding games and massive moments. And you, then you've got Ronaldo on the other side trying to claim that he scored with his hair or whatever. A little bit of a difference, isn't it? Yeah, like VAR wasn't made, was it, to see if Cristiano Ronaldo, had, like a hair follicle, had touched from his head, had touched the ball, so he can have yet another goal on his tally for his his historic career. Um, but yeah, it is. I think it is quite interesting in the sense that with Messi, there is this groundswell towards not just his performances, but obviously Argentina and if they can win it, and and it being like his crowning glory of a World Cup. Well, you look at Cristiano, and I think really what's happened in his club career at Manchester United has not damaged the affection completely. But there is a, a revulsion towards him a little bit now. Like, you know, everything seems negative, doesn't it? Every story is about his attitude or what he wants to do. And I think there is a section of fans who now are going to say, well, if you left Man United to go and play in Saudi Arabia, I'm not very happy about that. You know, uh, this is how it is. People I've been talking to last 24 hours and people who are Ronaldo supporters have said that to me. They're like, ah, now we feel kind of a little bit kicked in the teeth. Because we were always thought it was about the Glazers. We always thought it was about, you know, not playing or was Ten Hag unfair to him. But it's clearly about the money. And it always is. So I think with Cristiano, you've got to remember as well, he's got a very powerful agent that's going to push him towards that cash. This is his last payday. Good luck to him in the Middle East. Ronaldo is the problem that solved the problem of Ronaldo, didn't he? He did it for us. And thankfully, I think Eric Ten Hag will be away in his kind of Dutch bunker thinking, well, that's one problem solved. Now I can get on with maybe buying a replacement. Let's talk about it then, because there's two forwards in the Dutch national team who are having pretty good tournaments, actually. Uh, Memphis Depay scored a lovely goal in their win over the US. Uh, Cody Gakpo has scored, uh, I think, three times in three group games and has looked... Well, he's done a good job of inflating his price now that he's he's had a good season with PSV so far. United have been linked with both players and uh, Memphis Depay is on the fringes at Barcelona. We all know. I, I actually forgot until yesterday that Man United play in Barcelona in the Europa League <laughs> in the next yeah. few months. Uh, that's how disconnected I've been from club football. But uh, yeah, two players there who potentially could fit the bill. They're flexible forwards. You know, they can play in a couple of different positions, technically pretty sound. Memphis Depay uh, obviously played at Man United before, would be the older option. Who's a better fit, Rob? Is Can you see any of these happening? And maybe if you want to go into some detail on uh, where we stand with each of these players, feel free. Yes, I can see things happening here now because stuff is definitely happening behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Gakpo and Memphis. We've talked about them previously, but I think there is new, fresh context now, isn't there? 
So we'll start with Memphis. So you were saying who's the better fit. I actually think that Gakpo or Hakpo, you're right, that is the, the Dutch pronunciation. I think that he is the better fit also for what Man United do. I think the issue with Memphis is always been for me is that he's a little bit hot and cold. He's either looks like one of the best players in the world or he just does nothing and you're somewhere in the middle. That's not really what Man United need at the moment. But United have now got this half million pound a week that was Ronaldo's, that is now nobody's and has now gone back to the books where you could go out and buy someone. Uh, Barcelona are desperate to shift Memphis. So there is a chance here that as a short-term option that Man United have to haggle a little bit now with PSV for Gakpo's signature. And I think that will be the news now in the next week or two. That's where it's going to go. That unless United get that are really confident of that deal, that they will turn to Memphis because it's someone that they have inquired about in recent times. Again, there's the Dutch connections here, isn't it? I think every Dutch Dutch player on earth is going to be linked with Eric Ten Hag. That's just how it is, and that's how it will continue. But I think he's got form for it as well, hasn't he? He, he did go back to Ajax by their best players and then kind of disappear again. So I think that, that Gakpo is the player that United will go for. I think the price is debatable now. There's no way that PSV are going to give, give, let him go for the for the money that they initially agreed. You know, they are rubbing their hands watching this World Cup PSV going, cha-ching, we are about to cash in because this player is going to be right at the apex of his value. And who wants them? Hmm, Manchester United, so we're going to squeeze this for every penny. So I think United are going to have to pay for him. But I would love to see Gakpo at United because I think if you, if you bring him in, he's shown that he's got real abilities at 9 and 10. So when United were linked with him, it was all, oh, he's off the left. He comes inside. He's a wide player who scores goals, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I think what we're seeing in recent weeks, this boy can play anywhere in that front line. And that makes him really super valuable. He can play as a 10. He can play as a false nine. He can play as a nine. And you need that because Ronaldo is gone. You need a goal scorer. And you need someone that fits that fluidity up top with what you've already got. So Gakpo, get the price right, I think he will be coming in January. So do you think that if they, if United did end up going and signing him, for example, that would be it? Would they turn their attention in the summer to other positions or do you still feel like they're relatively light in that area? Well, we've said already like, off camera that we will talk about the ownership issues as, as the week roll ahead because we need to get more information on it. But I do think that the ownership issue is... In, intrinsically linked here now to transfers about how the Glazers play this out because they will still want Manchester United to be as strong of asset as possible before they sell. And I think this is a very different situation to normal clubs when they sell to how they're trying to save money to be able to push that onto a new owner. I think they will continue to invest. I think we'll see Manchester United make signings in multiple positions um, this winter. When I say multiple, I mean two. Like I'm not saying three, four, five, six. But I do think that United are looking, obviously, at a striker. They've got to go and get a striker now, I think, with Ronaldo off the scene. And, and also, there's obviously issues still around fitness players. You look at the top end of the pitch. Martial's had fitness issues. Sancho's had fitness issues. Anthony was injured pre-World Cup. So there is still that desire, I think, to add that forward. <clears throat> but I do also think that United will be looking at fullback, looking especially at right-back. Uh, and still that magical central midfielder. You know, like we, we've talked about it a lot, with Frankie De Jong. Mm -hmm who's uh, having a pretty good tournament, doing quite well. Um, 
is there going to be any movement on De Jong? I still doubt that because I just think because of the numbers. But I think also I think United will be looking at those three positions as a priority when January comes. Yeah, you mentioned right back there. Uh, Jeremy Frimpong has been linked. Uh, mm. Denzel Dumfries has seemed seem seemingly wanted by number of clubs in Europe. Chelsea, yeah. Tottenham, United have been linked uh, extensively, and. Uh, He's had a good World Cup as well. He, he played really well against the US the other day. The even, world's biggest shot window. Even former Man United players, Daily Blint was sensational the other day. Yeah. Like, but what a what a tournament these United players or former United players or future United players are having. This it, it is, is the United's yeah. tournament. It, it is the world's biggest shot window. I said this before the the tournament about Qatar is that this is what it's going to be. There's going to be agents in Qatar and in Europe sniffing around saying. We can move our players on now. This is our product. Go to the World Cup, lads. Go have good games, and we'll sort it out for you behind the scenes. And players do respond to that. Like I know people say, oh, they're just focused on the country. Of course, they're there to win games for their for their international teams. But there is that feeling of being in a, in a shop window and being shopped. Uh, and there's a lot of players out there. So you said Dumfries. I think for United now, it's all, it all depends about how they envisage the kind of evolution of some positions at Manchester United. So we know that right back that Delo's done really well. Um, but you are also aware that you probably do need someone else in there to help him out, you know, to be able to to be able to do it. Now, do you stick with Malassia as, a, as an option to play left and right? We're seeing now with the training camp that Brandon Williams is there. Um, there's talk as well about Axel Tuinzebi coming back into the fold, who will be able to play at centre-back and right-back. So you've got options. So it depends on where Man United want to put the coin, Scott. You know, if you're going to put all the money into a Gakpo now, then you might get one and then try and expand and not maybe make another marquee sign-in. But I think Dumfries is very much up there. I think he's, you know, he's having a good World Cup, a name before the World Cup as well, someone that United have inquired about. Uh, do not be surprised if United go in for an offer with him when it, when January comes around. But it all depends on that, how they view Delo. Is Delo the absolute stick-on first choice or do you need someone to rotate with him? Because Dumfries would not be coming to sit on the bench. Delo as well as obviously, uh, I think he's got a year. Yeah. He's got a contract in 2023 uh, with an option to extend yeah. but i know that barcelona have been linked with him quite a little bit as well so uh and that option will get triggered there's no doubt about it. united will trigger it because they will want to protect the value of the player but i also think the player wants to stay so you've got a i don't think competition is a problem there it's just more about a football decision isn't it it's to actually know that you've got more than one player in each position so what about then midfield we've talked about uh the striking options the attacking options the fullback options Jude Bellingham, mm. <laughs> the name on everyone's lips at the moment has been, to be fair to him, sensational at the World Cup so far for England, 19 years old, running matches uh, from the midfield position for England. And the world is waking up and realising just why Birmingham City retired as number 22 shirt when he was 17 years old. Uh, hell of a player. He has the choice of the world. He, he can pretty much choose whichever club he wants to join next summer is the most likely time but he's going to cost a hell of a lot of money i know that certain liverpool fans feel like it's pretty much nailed on that he's going to liverpool i think man city really really in the mix uh, real madrid i think for me i think 
Real Madrid might be his best choice. But it's just all personal. It, it comes down to him and whatever he wants at the end of the day. But will Man United be in this mix? Because we've seen suggestions from Germany saying that they won't be. Where do you stand on this? I stand kind of where I've always stood on this with United and Bellingham. And that is uh, one Manchester United made a huge mistake when he was at Carrington twice and they couldn't get the deal over the line. And that was because they were nervous about the price for a player who was outside the top division, whether he could help initially or like, you know, would he come to Man United and sit on the bench? And let's be honest, if he'd come to Man United at that point, he probably would have sat on the bench under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So there was that. Uh, but I think you're seeing now, not in terms of growth, but like you just said there, the world's his oyster. He can really go anywhere he wants to go. And it's going to be an ownership that really want to kind of throw everything at him. So you talk about Liverpool there. Liverpool are, are compared to Man United, both clubs are up for sale, but Liverpool are in a little bit of flux. Liverpool not in the same position as Man United. They will not go for the same kind of price. It will still be a big valuation. But I think Liverpool might see a slowing down in terms of their interest of who they're going to buy while FSG sort out their own finances and move the club on. Try telling that to a Liverpool fan, by the way. Yeah, I I, I, I do think that, again, this is now going to turn into some weird argument between United and Liverpool fans about, oh, you know, who's going to get the best owner next? It's like the clubs are in different situations. They really, really are. So you've got to kind of pay attention to that when we talk about transfers. So I don't know whether Liverpool are the true favourites for Bellingham. I know that's a lot of the talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I think if Bellingham wanted to go anywhere at the moment, it'd probably be Man City. Let's be honest. Like, go play for Pep. They're winning everything. They've got money. So you'd be able to do that. But if Man United do get 
some hotshot owner who wants to come in and make a splash and do maybe what Todd Bowley wanted to do at Chelsea, where it's like, yeah, we're going to throw the money around. We, we, we were looking at all the top players. Let's see what we can do. Then Bellingham's going to be on that list now because of this World Cup. And Man United should have got this business done a long time ago. So I think it's 50-50 with Bellingham. I think United are still in the mix. But I do think that also when you're looking at the cash, there are other positions United need to, to look at. And at midfield is obviously one of them. Bellingham would be an automatic starter at Man United, of course. But I think that there are other positions that Ten Hag will want to address like in the immediacy. We're talking about obviously in this January window and coming up to the summer window. Um, and that might mean because of that, that United miss out on Jude Bellingham. I would not be surprised if he stays at Dortmund for a bit, little bit longer. Mm, you know, he's the big dog at Dortmund. I think he enjoys that. He's still young. Um, he's going to be their kind of corner piece for a bit. So I don't think he's unhappy in Germany. I think he's uh, he's got a wise head. Yeah, he's a young man. He's got that wise head on his shoulders. I don't think he will rush to come back to the Premier League. In the same way, I don't think he would rush to, say, go to Real Madrid tomorrow, where the pressure is totally different to a team like Dortmund. So it'll be an interesting 2023 for Man United on the transfer front, on the club sale front, club investment front. It's not confirmed that it'll be a sale, obviously, but that's kind of what we're expecting at some point. Uh, there's yeah. certainly some interest. We'll talk, talk about that in more in depth on other shows in the future. But let's look at the World Cup and the friendly in Spain in the next few days, or friendlies in Spain in the next few days. Which players that play for Man United actually play for Man United have really stood out to you in the World Cup so far? Because it's been a good tournament for them. It's been a really good tournament. Like I think as well, like we talked about shop windows, it's more about players that Man United could go and sign. But I think when you look at Casemiro, so again, the kind of the lifeline with Casemiro coming from Real Madrid to where he is today, and maybe the, the little journey that he was on to get fit and to get ready and get in the Man United team. Now you're watching this Casemiro for Brazil, aren't you? And you're like, I'm so glad he plays for us because he's got everything. Do you, do you know what I mean? So this is not a player who's just a defensive midfielder. You know, we'll say he's the best defensive midfielder in the world. Well, yeah, he probably is on his day when he's doing that job. But my God, he can do different things, can't he? You can see how much influence he has at the top end of the pitch. He can score goals. He can assist. He can do the whole all-round package. So I think that, again, the manager will be looking at this. I think Eric Ten Hag will be going, yeah, we did we did good there. We got this guy in. So we don't need a midfielder right this second. That's the whole thing about the Bellingham link. Um, they're very different players, but you've got a stock there, haven't you? Obviously, Christian Eriksen is now out of the tournament, so he'll be coming back to United. It's trying to keep players fit, isn't it? Marcus Rashford, three goals. You, you you can't look past that, obviously, what he's done in that short space of time in the group stage for England. I'm really pleased for Rashi. You know what I mean? I think it's it's the kind of positive press that he needed. But it's also what I think what he deserved, because we've said on this show that his form has been really, really good. And yet United fans still kind of criticise him. So to get this standing, like so say England carry on, say England gets a World Cup final. And Rashford scores, scores the winner in a World Cup final for England. His stock's going to explode, isn't it? So uh, I, I think they're the players, the, the the core players that I've watched with United, who I think have done the best. I think it's Rashford and Casemiro. Uh, it's a shame Martinez. Like, why do Argentina? Yeah, it's so weird. Why do they play Otamendi in front of Martinez? It makes absolutely no like sense at all. Like, I know he's a kind of inexperienced coach for Argentina, former under twenty coach, now running the national side because Messi likes him, um, but. You'd play Martinez, wouldn't you? Like, surely that's the 
that's the key there in that position to kind of look after um, at centre back. But besides that, what, did you, what have you thought? What have you thought about Bruno Fernandes and, and Bruno's Delano had a good tournament players? for me. Like I, I went into it thinking that Portugal would be, yeah, they were, they haven't been great at all. I know they won Euro 2016, mm. but obviously under the same manager, they won that tournament, but were boring and yeah. like pretty awful. Uh, I was at a, uh, the one of the Portugal games and saw Bruno score twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's having a good tournament. I know they, they lost their last group game, but, you know, a, a, a raft of changes. They're going into a last 16 game now where you, you'd make them the favourites and then to get through that, might play Spain, perhaps. You'd fancy them, to me. Yeah. And especially with uh, Ronaldo starting to kick up a fuss a little bit, the the thing that I thought would hold Portugal back would be Ronaldo and, and their coach so far. But it seems like they're playing, they've surprised me with the football they've been playing. And if Ronaldo's not in the team, I think they got a they got a really good chance, you know? And Bruno's yeah, look, key, a key part of that. Look, politics plays a big part in, in football selection, especially at international level. But I think eventually it does get ground back down to the football. So I think when you look at Ronaldo, if Ronaldo could, you know, push... Uh, Portugal all the way to World Cup final on his own and then put, think Portugal would stick with that and go, yeah, let's do it. But he can't do it. And people know this because they're watching the actual football. And I think the big difference with Bruno and why he's had a good tournament is because he's not intrinsically linked to Ronaldo on the pitch like at Manchester United. So at Man United, his form suffered when he had to look after Ronaldo and try and feed him and supply him and do all of those things for another player. When, when Bruno has to do stuff for himself, he is a better forward. It's just as simple as that. And I think that's what we've seen now for Portugal is that he's been given a little bit more freedom, I think, in those forward roles. Whereas only a year or two ago, Scott, Bruno Fernandes was sat as a kind of quasi number eight for Portugal, getting substituted in every game around 55, 60 minutes. And, and whilst being the man for Man United, and it was a little bit like do you lot not watch the football? Like, play him as your main player? So I think he's done really well at the tournament. I just now hope, this is what I always say at tournaments, just keep them all fit, come home, come home safe. Yes, good luck to you winning your your little gold trophy and being happy with that. But ultimately, come home safe to Manchester United because we've got games, very important games coming up now and we need everyone fit. Yeah, uh, I think one of the noticeable things watching Portugal was that there's been times where Bruno and other players in Man United's team or Portugal's team have felt like they had to pass to Ronaldo. And I, I yeah. that one game where I watched Bruno quite closely, he doesn't think like that anymore. He's not. That's not what he's thinking. And his performances are way better, way better off for it. Uh, got a number of assists already in the tournament. And uh, even Harry Maguire's looking relatively competent as well, Luke, next to Luke Shaw. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Harry Maguire for two minutes, right? This is the whole thing about it. So Harry Maguire has has had a good tournament, yeah? Do I want Harry Maguire no. anywhere near my <laughs> first team? No, because the one thing that we've seen in this tournament is for the little blips that England have had at times is that it's always about Maguire's pace. And when you look at him and he's t- he paired up with someone who's quite sanguine, like uh, like um, uh, oh, John Stones, that partnership, I look at that partnership and I kind of cringe. I kind of go, oh, the weaknesses there will probably outweigh the positives. Southgate said in, obviously, the group stages, he was like, I love how we've controlled games from the back. 
what you mean just passing the ball backwards and forwards between centre backs, that controlling the game from the back. But England are where they want to be, so you can't criticise them over that. The sun has just come out and it's just literally shining on my face there. So that's a uh, apologies about people who are watching this on YouTube. I'm going to actually uh, pull the blind a little bit there. Apologies again. But yeah, when you look at it there, you look at um, uh, at Maguire, he's done well but I really don't want to see him ahead of any of the centre-backs we've got at Man United. And I still do think that, again, we talked about positions, didn't we, about players that you would look for. I still think United would like a centre-back at some point, a new one to to rotate with with the main two, with Varane. So look, at obviously, Varane's kind of had a quietly good, you know, tournament, hasn't he? And Martinez, when he has been on the pitch, I think has done really well. He had that big tackle, didn't he, in the, in the knockout game where uh, he threw his body at it and you thought, ah, oh, yeah, that's our butcher. We know we know that. We see that every week at Man United. Um, so, yeah, good tournament for the United lads so far. Yeah. Uh, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire playing next to each other. But I'm touching on Harry, Harry Maguire and his place at Man United. I think what Ten Hag has done with Varane and Martinez, they've already been established as the top two, the, the, the first choice pairing. And I don't think that'll change unless injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But that's we'll, the problem. We'll see. That's the problem. And I think this is also now with these uh, with this little trip to Spain that it'd be interesting to see who sneaks into the rotation now because obviously your senior players are not there. And there's a lot of kids banging on the door. Like there really, really is. There's, you know, there's Manu and there's a whole host of them who are kind of, I think, their stock within the camp. And this is kind of what we're hearing from Manchester United, that the manager really likes them. So he's seen them now for a few months watch their development, giving them all individual training plans. They're all working on that and they're all trying to get somewhere. And then, of course, there's a, maybe the players on the who are now on the outskirts of this tournament didn't make it for the countries and the likes of Jade and Sancho who are going to have to prove themselves, aren't they? So I think it's a good mix of youngsters and players that still need to prove themselves. And if you can get a load of lads coming back from the World Cup who've had a good tournament, hopefully you can hit the ground running. This Cadiz selection, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And of course, the manager is going to get questioned about Cristiano and all the other factors that have happened in the last few years. Oh, yes, of course. So let's hope we hear some... I don't know. Eric Ten Hag will just brush it aside, won't he? He'll act like it... He'll say a little bit and then that'll be it. But United do play two friendlies. Yeah. I I hope he'll put some full stop on it. Because I think that's his style anyway. Um... But he now has to, hasn't he? Because yes, as of yesterday, wasn't it? I think the, the contract was cancelled. You know, I got I got a text yesterday saying the contract is now officially cancelled, and it was like, and it, it was a moment. You kind of went, ooh, that, that's it now, that's done. And I think Eric Eric Ten Hag might have got a similar text and gone, right, let's move on because I think that's the kind of guy he is. Yes, two friendlies coming up against Cadiz and uh, Real Betis. And then there's a EFL Cup tie on the 21st of December against Burnley at Old Trafford before yeah. Nottingham Forest on the 27th of December. The Burnley match is actually three days after the World Cup final. So we'll we'll see uh, if any of United's players do make it to the World Cup final. You'd probably think that it's pretty likely, uh, thinking of all the teams and the tree. So there'd probably be some United involvement yeah. in there with the teams that you'd think will make it to the last stages of the semi-finals and this kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, what are you expecting then from these two friendlies or more specifically uh, Wednesday night's friendly? Because United have named a squad uh, full of young players, Jaden Sancho, not included, Axel Twins, AB, uh, also 
I'm hearing uh, is training specifically with coaches assigned by Eric Ten Hag as well. So mm-hmm. what's your reaction to this and uh, what are you expecting? Well, when I initially heard about the games, before they were announced, I was I was very pro them because I thought warm over training is a good idea, especially when you've got this kind of uh, kind of two week period where the players have been allowed to go away and just work on their fitness, but be on kind of holiday, you know, kind of just go back to their homelands and and chill out for a bit. Um, but I think the actual games themselves, again, it's just another chance here now to get ready for the next stage of the season. So, you know, Cadiz and Betis, Betis definitely a better team than Cadiz. But I think when you kind of looked at it there, the weather's not particularly warm, so the training is not going to be anything fantastic. But I think it's just now about integrating all those parts that we talk about every week and trying to see where, where you go forward. So the League Cup game as well coming up is actually going to be more important than the normal League Cup game, isn't it? Because this is not going to be a debate about whether Ronaldo gets minutes anymore because that's gone. It's actually going to be about who else can you play in the middle of, you know, at the end of a World Cup and you're looking at players, are they still going to be fit, ready to hit the ground running or are they going to need time off themselves? So that game itself, so these three games with that, the two tour games and the League Cup game, I think become really interesting because it's about what what does Eric Ten Hag see within the camp of players that he can promote? Um, I think, again, we start talking more about the Zidane Iqbal's of the world because I think that these players are really on the cusp. They're young, and I know we've had this discussion on our show here before about whether players are ready. I think they are, Scott. They're young, but they are ready. They are hungry. And I think we're going to see in these three games one or two or three of them break through. Eric Ten Hag has taken a few extra players with him on this tour. He's actually gone to the youth ranks and said... You, 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 you. I like what you've done in the last three months. Come join the first team for the first time. So I think we're going to see a few surprise names put on the shirt against Cadiz and in the following two games. Yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. I was just looking into, I saw a link the other day with uh, potentially sending Zidane out on loan. I'm not sure uh, how that's progressed since. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He's ready. Like he's ready to play a lot of football. I think he's a a really talented lad. And if he doesn't make the initial breakthrough at United, we, you know, you know, you look at Alvaro Fernandez and players like that. You, you've got players that maybe United fans are not massively familiar with, but have really come a long way in the last year or two, and are now like physically, they're men. They need football. They need football minutes. Do you know what I mean? So I think we'll see a little bit of that kind of rotation in these next three games. Because when you get back to the Premier League, Scott, you can't do it. You know, when you're back in the Premier League, you can't risk stuff with kids. Then you have to kind of play players who are who you're seeing are on foot. That's when we're talking more, I think, about Jaden Sancho and maybe that kind of player that you expect to play Premier League games, but has had fitness and health issues. So he's not quite ready. And there's been a big stink about that the last few days from fan channels and whatnot saying, why is he not in Cadiz? Why is he not playing? Well, they're trying to do what's right for the player. That's what they're trying to do, get him fit, get him ready. But then, of course, if he's ready for the Premier League, he'll be in that rotation start. Just one final thought from me. I'm pretty glad, uh, not that I wanted Denmark to fail or whatever, but I'm pretty glad Christian Eriksen's gone out of the World Cup pretty early so he can have a little bit of time off, specifically. I I was thinking exactly the same thing, no (laughs) offence to Denmark and the Danish. You know, it was a case of... It's one of those things, isn't it? You know, like... um, at, at the kind of start of the season, we were talking about Christian Eriksen, and I said at the time, it almost felt very quickly that he became our most important player. It was kind of strange because 
he is that fulcrum of the stuff that you want to do in midfield, you know, in terms of progression from deeper in the on the pitch, you know, getting up there, playing this fourth four one five that I think we'll see, you know, against Cadiz. I think we'll see this going forward all the time. So you need him if you didn't buy Frankie Dion. You really need to keep him fit, don't you? So I hope that obviously now he will get some time off, rejoin Manchester United, and is ready for the Premier League. Uh, but he's become, you know, him and Casemiro probably the two most important players now, which is a strange thing to say at the start of the season when you're talking about new talent. Even Martinez, you could say, is in that thing now. So three brand new players are your most important individuals. We need to get Ericsson back. I hope that he's uh, enjoyed the tournament. I'm glad he went because I think it's a milestone for his career, obviously, of what's happened to him. But back to duty now, back to the Premier League, back to wearing a Man United shirt. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up, Rob, uh, because I think that's the running order run through. We'll be back later this week. Uh, any final thoughts before we do uh, move on? Because we have some World Cup football and a Man United friendly before we next speak. No, I think we'll have um, some Eric Ten Hag comments to talk about when we go live next at the end of the week. Because I think I think that is important here now, even though we're saying we're confident we kind of know what he's going to say and how he will style it out. We need to hear what he says about Ronaldo, don't we? Because... Don't forget, even though Cristiano is gone now, those words, as I've said before, will echo and reverberate forever. You know, that interview with Piers Morgan is on YouTube forever. People will reference it forever. So the manager, I think, needs to find a way to address it comprehensively. And I just hope that he's just really straight with it. You know, like, I, I'm happy to say that Ronaldo's going for the money. I don't think he's going to say that. But I think there's a lot more football things that Eric Ten Hag can say about why it didn't work with Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think they're on Ronaldo. You know, I don't think it's on the manager and I don't think it's on the team this time. I think it's actually on the player. And good luck to Cristiano in his future of his career. You know, like I know people think we've got some bugbear against him. Absolutely not. Good luck to him. He came back to Man United. It didn't work out. Shake hands, have a hug, move on. We'll go and buy another centre forward. Just on Ten Hag and Ronaldo, I do hope when he's asked the question about Ronaldo not respecting him, that he essentially says, if somebody doesn't respect me, they don't belong here. And that's why the decision well, was made. That's the soundbite. That's what that's I think what we might, want. That's what I think might be coming. I think I think that he'll play it all down. He won't want to kind of go into depth. He definitely won't want to talk about Piers Morgan. Like none of us want to talk about Piers Morgan, but you have to because he, he stuck his nose in there. But just what a sad way to end your Manchester United career and legacy that you thought to earn a big buck in Saudi Arabia or wherever you're going to go next, that the route was to go down the tabloids to flush all your dirty laundry in front of everyone and, and kind of go that route. I don't think Eric Ten Hag has disrespected the player at all. It's not what we hear from behind the scenes, from other players, and it's not what we hear it just in general. You know, we, so I think Cristiano's done himself a disservice there, but good luck to him, as I said. Uh, and he's always going to be Ronaldo, isn't he? He's always going to believe he's the best player in the world and the biggest superstar in the world. And 500 million Instagram followers will become a billion or two billion or whatever. And he'll get off on that and we'll all fall asleep and snore until the next football match. Which is on Wednesday, actually. So uh, United player friendly and we'll be back after that. We'll hopefully hear from Eric Ten Hag about the Ronaldo fallout and moving forward as club football comes back into focus. Not quite as the World Cup uh, really hits the business end. Uh, but there are United players coming home. There are United players still in Qatar doing very, very well. Uh, we'll have... 
a look at it all over the next few days and few episodes. Uh, but until next time, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community as well and leave a comment for us. Hopefully uh, you've missed us, but not too much. And um, we'll we'll be back now pretty much uh, as regular and as usual. You can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thanks very much as ever. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we'll see you very soon for another Promise Land. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.